What do you do on Sundays? We talk about Kate Blanchett, the acting, the costumes, the awards, but mostly the Blanchett of it all. Oh, oh I'm not acting. <laughs> you think this is a love affair? I saw you, Erica, meeting in the middle. This is Sundays with Kate, and I'm your host, Murtada El Fadl. Hi, and welcome to Sundays with Kate. I'm Murtada El Fadl. I'm very excited to launch the third season of the podcast. I hope you enjoy all the episodes that I have been planning. I wanted to start by saying thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. Thank you for sharing in social media. I appreciate everyone who interacts. It really means a lot. Please listen till the end as I will detail all that's in store for this new season of the podcast. But now, let's dig into this week's movie. And this week, we are discussing the last movie that Kate Blanchett had in theaters. In this year where we haven't been to the theater that much, I think it's a nice memory. Um, so it's Where'd You Go, Bernadette? The Richard Linklater movie that was released in the U.S. in August of 2019. And my guests this week, I'm very excited to have them, are Connor O'Donnell and Dan Mecca, hosts of the B-Side podcast. Hi, Connor and Dan. Hi. What's up? Good to be here. Yeah. Happy, uh, happy whatever time this is that you're listening. We're still, uh, you know, in our, in our homes watching Kate Blanchett movies. Yes. So last time the three of us talked, we talked about another actress uh, I love and we all love, Meryl Streep. Um, which was for an episode of your podcast, right. The B-Side. Yes. And you guys have done Kate Blanchett a few years ago um, on your podcast. So there is that episode, people who are not familiar with your podcast and listen to Sundays with Kate, go find that um, episode of Kate Blanchett on the B-Side. Yeah, and I think a mutual friend, right, Gavin Mevius is on that, um, who I'm sure, Mortada, you, you, you know Gavin, right? Yeah, so for listeners of this podcast, Gavin has been on the pod twice. Yeah. We have talked about Indiana Jones and we've talked about Hannah with Gavin. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so so he he's on that case. So he's he's talked about Kate a lot. Um Yeah. yeah that, that was a fun podcast. Uh him and him and him and our friend Karen. Anyway, yeah. So, let's start with just your general impression of Kate. So, let's start with you, Dan. What do you think mm. of Kate and do you remember the first time that you saw Kate? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so Kate, I think as long as I have been a fan of her and she, you know, basically 98 is what I always think of Kate, you know, with Elizabeth and everything that came after. It was a pretty quick ascent, um, which I, I'm sure you've talked about many times. So, but here's what's funny. Uh, certainly that's not the first thing I saw her in. This is going to sound crazy. But I'm fairly certain the first motion picture I ever saw the actress Kate Blanchett in was the shipping news. Oh no. Because because I my mom, I've talked I talk about my mom Julie all the time on our podcast. Um my mom my mom Julie loves Where'd You Go Bernadette, which we'll talk about. Um, um so she was one of those people who would always get those movies. So she certainly had read the shipping news and certainly mm. rented the shipping news and i certainly watched it and i certainly was too young and it certainly was a strange <laughs> bad movie that i still remember 
and Blanchett's in it, though not a lot, as I recall. And yeah. um, and then I think, you know, aside from that, I, I regard her, you know, the way and many regard her as obviously, if not our greatest living actress, certainly in the top uh, three, right? Laura Dern, Viola Davis, right? You know, it's like, yeah. And so, um, and you She's know, what about. Yeah, and one of my favorite movies ever, ever is The Aviator, and she, of course, won her Oscar for that uh, movie. So, you know, if Did nothing she? else, yeah, she won the Oscar for The Aviator. Playing one of her two Oscars. One of her two. Oh, Sorry. That, okay, I was thinking. Okay, apologies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But 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 um <laughs> but but so if, if for no other role, her 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 involvement in The Aviator. I mean, I I love her forever. Yeah, and Connor, what about you and Kate? Uh, me and Keiko way back, obviously. Um, no, I should say too, I mean, listeners, this isn't going to matter to you, but I, I did dress for the occasion tonight. Uh, yes. I, I'm wearing my cinephile card game, uh, Kate Blanchett t-shirt right now. Um, no, I would and say Carol, right? Am I? Yes, is that yes right? it is. Yeah. Which I will say, I think for the record is probably my favorite performance of hers. Um, but no, the, the, I think the first time. I was ever aware of her as an actress. I hadn't really seen Elizabeth yet, but I knew like I was aware of that movie when it came out. Um, But I think the gift actually is like the first thing that I saw her in and was like, oh, this is who Kate Blanchett is. Uh, And then, yeah. And then I probably got around to Elizabeth a little, a little later, but kind of like Dan said, I feel like, you know, probably for us and, and any other viewers slash listeners of a certain age around that time it's like she kind of wasn't there and then she was there and then you you know it, it she had a i feel like a pretty quick ascent into just the forefront of like international movie stardom yeah. um and i i think even with you know it kind of it, it's like it was bifurcated with like you have you know, your Elizabeth's and your talented Mr. Ripley's and things like that. So she's just kind of like popping into all these little genres. And then she pops up in the Lord of the Rings movies, which like, even if you're not obviously watching it for her, cause she's a supporting character, it's like, she's still very present. Right. Uh, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. in, in something that's like a monster hit. So it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Her career is a fascinating one. And like Dan said, you know, she's just, it, it's hard to kind of leave her out of any conversation about like, the the greats of all time so and also uh connor you have you have me remembering another movie around that time which i certainly right next to the shipping news was bandits i I think i saw bandits like in theaters i don't know why i mean that was kind of a hot movie i feel like i really love i i have a soft spot for that have you talked about the gift murtado we have talked about the gift yes it was one of the first movies that we actually did that's didn't you not like it Am am i am i misremembering or do you like the gift I don't like it. I thought okay, the gift was, a, yeah, a little bit of mismatch of genres, like I felt. Sure. But, you know, it has things going for it, for sure. A lot of, lot of acting with an A, as, as we talked about in, the, in that movie. Yes, for sure. that's yes. what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, Dan, I, I'm happy you mentioned Bandits, because when I reviewed um, Where Did You Go, Bernadette, when it came out, the movie or the performance that it reminded me of a little bit um, was bandits, you know, Bernadette, like Kate Wheeler in Bandit, is sort of another chaotic person who is very um, disillusioned with her role as a wife. Although, you know, you know, like the the outlines are the same, mm-hmm. and it's one of those, you know, Kate loves to play these chaotic unraveling women, like she does that a lot. 
Um, yeah. Blue Jasmine is one of yeah. those for sure. Yeah. Well, no, you're totally right though, uh, Murtada. Like, it's very common with her. Even if you, I'm just like looking at her filmography as we speak, like Charlotte Gray, you know, is like that, right? You know, like like there like yeah. movies where it's like which was who- also with Billy Crudup. Exactly. So this was a re- Bernadette was a Billy Crudup reunion for Kate. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and even like Heaven, where she's kind. Of, it's funny. You're right. She's always playing these characters who are like fighting against a status quo of some sort. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So where'd you go, Bernadette? Which is the topic of conversation today is based on the bestseller by Maria Semple. And Kate plays Bernadette Fox, one of the many titular characters she has played. Like you mentioned, Charlotte Gray, but also Veronica Gurren, Blue Jasmine, Carol. She always is the title role. We'll never guess what happened. She disappeared. Bernadette. 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 Oof. The film is about a genius architect who, after having big success early on in her career, suffers a major setback that debilitates her creativity. It starts 15 years after that, with her in Seattle, living as a mother and wife. She's married to Billy Crudup's Elgi, who's a creator at Microsoft. And sort of in the absence of this creative work as an architect, she fills her days taking care of her daughter and starting these little wars with her neighbors and the other mothers at the private school that her daughter goes to. She detests all of them. It's a portrait of this chaotic life, but also a mother-daughter story and the story of the disintegration of a marriage. Hey, who are you? I was just wondering that myself. I'm not good when exposed to people. None of the other mothers like you, Bernadette. Did you know that? Say amen to that. So this movie had, um, it was a huge bestseller. And I read the book before it was even optioned. Um, And when I read the book, I sort of pictured um, Annette Bening in this role. But then, you know, once Kate was announced, I'm like, you know what? That's even better casting. (laughs) (laughs) But it had like a protracted sort of way to release. It was moved a few times. There were several screenwriters. It was... First, uh, the screenwriter, the screenplay was written by Michael Green and Scott Neustadler, who wrote 500 Days of Summer and The Fault in Our Stars and The Spectacular Now. And then that, and then when Richard Linklater was hired, I think he reworked it and brought on his own people. And it's sort of a hard book to adapt. So fans of the book, I think, have always been disappointed by this movie. Although I like the movie on its own, but I think fans of the books are a little disappointed because the the book is a collection of letters and emails and notes. And I don't know, have you guys read the book? No, my, my wife read the book. Um, Mm -hmm. and we, we actually moments ago just finished watching the movie. So we were kind of talking about the differences and things like that. Um, and she had mentioned what you just said. And I kind of thought it, it kind of, I guess we'll get into it, but it kind of explained a lot for me when, when you think of the sort of I, I would assume sort of kind of piecemeal nature of the book and the way that that would be collected if it's a series of documents and conversations and emails and memos and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's that that structure in and of itself is already feeling kind of playful. And I feel like if you're not absorbing this information through that kind of playful structure, it's it's a little it, it I feel like certain aspects of the movie can probably feel like a little bit much. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, the book is just literally a series of emails and letters and notes. That's how the story is told. And, and there is a very funny um, quote from Richard Linklater at the time when he talked to Vulture. And he said, you know, 
you read, this is the quote, you read a book and you have a movie in your head. You read Maria's book, it's so unconventional, so quirky, so weird. I don't think anyone comes out with a movie. What, what's the movie that you get from that book? A bunch of emails? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that, that, I also just finished reading that Vulture piece that you mentioned, which is, um, if, uh, if you're listening, listener, that it's, it's a kind of a good reference if you've watched the movie and, and read the book or haven't read the book. It's like a good sort of... Um, like it's sort of quick rundown of like the key differences and I think explains a lot of what some people who aren't huge fans of the movie might, you know, might not like and, and how they came to be. But one of the things he also mentioned is that, you know, in the book, apparently it takes a while for you to kind of even get to uh, Bernadette. Right. And um, and he he had said, you know, if you're casting Kate, you know, you don't you don't put Kate Blanchett in your movie mm -hmm. to have her be some sort of supporting force in your movie. Like it's a Kate Blanchett movie, um, which obviously this movie very much is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, what do you guys think of the movie? Like just um, Dan, what, why don't we start with you? Sure. What's your um, positive negative you like it yeah i so i'm very positive on this movie i was positive on it last year when it came out i saw it in the theaters um i was on a little family vacation checking in on a family member situation with my mom and my sister so we all like took a night off and went and saw it um and we all liked it and I, like i mentioned before my mom really liked it they 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 really enjoyed it i enjoyed it we talked about it after it's obviously an extremely odd movie in the way it approaches its narrative. Like I was saying, rewatching it with, with my wife yesterday, I mentioned, um, if you just erase the book and just think of it as a movie, it kind of ends in the middle. Like there's like a climactic scene in the middle of the movie. And then there's like an hour that gets you to yeah. Antarctica. So like yeah. just that alone in terms of writing and watching a movie and narrative thinking and, what your what years of watching content trains your brain whether you know it or not to like think of what is good you know mm -hmm. what makes sense i i do understand watching this movie and having the thought this is not good because i don't understand why they're doing it this way right so yeah i, I do formally i can get how it how it rubs people the wrong way for whatever reason it that's just I really enjoyed the weirdness. I mean, maybe it's because we all see a lot of movies. Maybe that's why. But, like, I appreciated it. And I, like, love... I think it's, like, probably Kristen Wiig's... I don't know, best performance since Bridesmaids. It's Bride very funny. That, that, whole that whole relationship I like a lot. Like, that dynamic, yeah. I think, is a lot of fun. Uh, Kristen Wiig plays this neighbor who, she, who pretends that Bernadette run her over and broke her leg. So... Yeah, and rewatching yeah. it, I it, it, I was I was emboldened to like it more. I, frankly, watching it yesterday, I, I I I upped it a half a star on my letterbox. You know, I was like, oh, this is better, <laughs> this is better than I remember. So yeah, that's where I stand on this movie. Yeah. And Connor, so have you seen the movie when it came out, or did you just see it? I um, only just watched it for the first time. I will admit to you, I remember kind of skipping it when it came out because there at the time was sort of a tepid slash negative reaction to it with movies like this all the time. I'm glad that I, I had mentioned this recently on an episode we recorded for the B side for a, a different movie, but it was a movie at the time that had a kind of a strong reaction to it. And then, you know, nobody thought about it and whatever, and uh, a strong negative reaction, I should say, and, and nobody really thought about it. And then you watch it a year, two, three years later and you're like, Oh, this is like perfectly fine. 
Like, why didn't I, you know? And I kind of felt the same way about this movie. Like, I, I'm kind of with you, Dan. Like, I, I think even its problems are like interesting problems. I can definitely see things I maybe would have done, especially in a world where if you're going to adapt a book and even an unconventional one and you're going to change it, um, I don't see any reason why somebody would feel that beholden to keep certain aspects of a story in place. I overall, I liked it. And I think the Blanchett performance is really the thing that is the, the worthwhile thing. It's like the, the obviously the star attraction. I, I think the big thing, thing that kept me from like really loving this movie was just its commitment to maybe some of the broader aspects of the story where like what like an example of what broader aspect are you talking about for for instance right i do we get into can we get into spoilers is it yeah really, let's can we get just into okay okay everyone listening this movie is on hulu we're gonna spoil so you can pause this go to hulu watch it come back <laughs> um so the the mid-movie climax which i I'm pretty sure you were alluding to Dan is this intervention, right? Yeah. Um, and part of that intervention is what felt to me like a really kind of broad stroke of like identity theft. And I understand that that's a part of the novel as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like for maybe some of the more core emotional aspects of the movie in terms of like the seriousness of what, that's going through like psychologically because of the state that her life is in and things like that. I think you can get to the state of an intervention without something as sort of insane as I, as identity theft from like the Mm -hmm. Russian mob. Again, if it's a part of the narrative of the book, I can understand how that's also kind of, it is sort of this wild, funny swing as well. Like I think the, the agent character who steps in and has a couple nice cracks. Like it's funny and it works yeah. and it was definitely yeah, dude, the, the part where the agent, and I forgot about this. I, I was like cackling. And that's maybe the thing about a rewatch that, that made me like it more. Yeah. They're on the porch and Bert, yeah. they had this intervention <laughs> and Bernadette uh, runs away. Right. And then where'd you go Bernadette? Right. They're trying to right. find mm-hmm. And they're all, it's, Billy Crudup playing "What If uh, Bill Gates Was Steve Jobs," and 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 they're all on the deck on the patio, and they're like, "Where is she? Where is she?" And the guy, <laughs> the FBI agent's like, "We got him! We got the Russian guy! Like problem solved!" And then and Billy Crudup's like, "But where? Like he's he's like we're worried about Bernadette," and he and he yeah. goes he goes, "Oh well, yeah, that's a whole another problem." But this, this <laughs> no, right? It's I funny. Funny and like funny in, in the link later way, which I think gets a little lost in this adaptation, not in the movie itself, but in the reception. The thing that link later does so well throughout his career, and you can go back to Slacker to, to see this. This might sound like nothing, but it is something. He knows how to not cut away, where like mm-hmm. he knows just hold the camera on the wide of all the people. And let the joke play out. Like, you don't need to do a punchline cut into the guy making a fit. Like, just let it be funny. Like, we're all watching it. You don't need to make it busy. You know, and, like, and that that is smart filmmaking that makes it funnier. And maybe, and that's why, like, his everybody, you know, what is it called? Uh, everybody Wants Some, right? Like, yes, yeah, everybody wants some. These movies, you know, some of these movies, they kind of, they come out, they get a little, like, get a shrug. And then, like... Two years later, people are like, you know, that's a really funny movie. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Like, it, maybe it's not, you know, blowing your hair back in the back row of a theater. Um, mm-hmm. But but that's, I think, credit to 
Linklater as much as, as those performers. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that scene. I have to say, like, I, I agree sort of with what you were saying about, like, the broader aspects. And I have to say the book, as somebody who was a fan of the book before I even knew Kate and Linklater are going to do a movie of it, like, the book is so much funnier. And its mm. tone is pure comedy. And it comes, so that's why, like, in that sort of context, these things were, like, she is speaking with this virtual assistant, Manjula, who's supposedly in India, but turns out to be part of the Russian mob. You, like, you get it, because everything is is very, very funny, really out there in, in sort of the comedic way. As it stands on the screen, and this isn't even necessarily a knock, like, maybe this is something Linklater had in his brain, but, like, you could see this getting made by by Qcor with with mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant like yeah, totally. and Catherine Hepburn's the one who's up and runs away to Antarctica right like it's yeah. got these old school screwball broad strokes to it that I don't really necessarily have a problem with I think it's it's when those things kind of try and get dovetailed with like the mother daughter relationship and um with the mother daughter relationship and this you know, seemingly uh, very earnest uh, insight into someone who's suffering a mental breakdown. It mm-hmm. there is there feels like a weird disconnect there, and so I I like I had mentioned before I I still liked the movie for what it was putting out there. I just mm-hmm. don't know if like all the things that Linklater's trying to take a swing at like gel as much as I maybe would have hoped. Uh, yeah, that I agree. I think if there is somebody miscast here, it's Linklater. Um, like if you wanted to adapt the book and make it into what the book was about, I think what's lost in the adaptation is a social satire that in the book. So the book, this sort of Audrey character displayed by Kristen Wiig is a bigger part of the narrative. And also like the war between them is very funny. They spar a lot more than they do in the movie. And it's sort of that sort of character and that relationship and that basically war between the between Bernadette and Audrey is sort of how Semple is trying to critique this sort of like Seattle uh, people, people, you know, who work for tech companies, who have a lot of money, who, you know, come and try to change the city. And it's it's very funny in the book. And I think in the movie that's lost. Bernadette, just just get out once in a while. Be, be in the real world and interact with people. Maybe that would make you not so paranoid. I, I think we're done here. No, we are not done. We are not. We are not Again, done. Again, I want to apologize for the sign. It was a little inappropriate, and I intend to take full responsibility. Okay, in terms of the Gaylor Street oh. School, in so terms now, of money. So now you care about you don't care about Gaylor Street. You don't care about anything. You don't care about your your house. You don't care about your yard. You certainly don't care about this neighborhood. Uh. Do you know that within a four-mile radius is the house my grandmother grew up in, the house my mother grew up in, and the house that I grew up in? That I believe. And you come in here with your Microsoft money and buy this 9,000-square-foot teardown in the middle of this charming neighborhood, and you think that's going to make you belong? Well, you don't belong, Bernadette, and you never will. But I think where the movie is more successful is in the portrait of the mother-daughter relationship. It's very poignant. It's very beautiful. They, they, There are scenes between them and the chemistry between Kate and Emma Nelson, who plays the daughter B, is really great. And it's sort of like they talk about, which is in the book too, but I think I felt it more in the movie. They talk about how, you know, B was a, a difficult birth and she had to take care of her and sort of like 
this is and even B with her dad, you know, she's always like, no, my mom will never leave me. I know that we have to go and find her because she will never leave me. There was, you know, a, he thinks that maybe she's never coming back or she's trying mm-hmm. to harm herself or something. And she's like, no, you don't know. While you were working, we lived the life together. And yeah. sort of that's very poignant and beautiful. And I felt that in the movie more. And also sort of the disintegration of the marriage story. I think that's also very well done in the script of by Linklater and um, his co-writers in sort of, you know, what if somebody, you know, you're in love and you go through all these things, but then a calamity befalls one in a marriage, which is what happened to Bernadette and the mm-hmm. other person stops seeing them for the person they fell in love with. And sort of like um, there is a scene where, um, you know, the, the war escalates between Bernadette and Audrey and, and a mudslide falls into Audrey's house. And then, Bernadette, it, it's, of course, is at fault. That was her fault. And she's having dinner with B. And LG, who's the husband, played by Billy Crudup, comes. And he's like, oh, I came to check on Bernadette. And B tells him, no, you came to yell at her. And Audrey has already done that, and it was bad. And that scene so, sort of so moved me. It's like, especially when you go back and, and the movie tells us like how they fell in love and how they were both brilliant and smart and into each other. And really, he did come just to yell at her. So um, it sort of portrays the sort of disintegration of the marriage really, really well. And I think it does it 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 does so in a way that I think Linklater at least does his best to try and craft with like a really, really delicate hand. It is something. I mean, I what I think is kind of funny is like thematically, it still is like a Richard Linklater movie through and through, right? Yes. There's there's a lot that this has in common with the before trilogy or Boyhood or you know all, like a lot of those same kind of things pop up. Um, but the the scene I can't remember. I think it's like right before what you were talking about. Um, but the one of the sequences that struck me the most is this cross cutting sequence uh, that I think is really lovely. Uh, where um, Kate Blanchett, Bernadette goes to see. Um, I can't forget. I can't remember Fishburne's name in the movie. Uh, but Lauren, he, he's her colleague, so he's her. Yeah, it's another architect who's. Bernadette's yeah, he's another colleague. architect. I can't recall his name, but um, it's play, He's played by Lawrence Fishburne, and he. She goes and she kind of talks to him, and she vents to him about kind of all the things, Murtada, that you were just talking about, and it's crosscut with Billy Crudup finally going to see a a psychiatrist who's played by Judy Greer, uh, who's mm-hmm. always lovely. Judy Greer, good for Judy Greer, lover. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, but it's this it's this thing of these two people recounting essentially the same sequence of events um, from two distinct. Perf- perspectives and neither one of them are incorrect necessarily which mm-hmm. i think is super interesting and it i like even if you want to look at some of billy crudup's behavior or the way he's reacted in an antagonistic way which i think the movie like i said does a pretty deft job of like mm-hmm. lightly casting him as maybe an antagonist without fully vilifying him or anything like that um yeah and and also finds this way to look at I think more seriously some of the things Bernadette is going through and some of the more maybe aggressive ways she's reacting to it that aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily acceptable while also not necessarily casting her as an antagonist either. I think it's a really nice little uh, act that the, that the movie attempts. I think after that 
uh, like Dan mentioned, after that sort of mid-movie climax, um, mm-hmm. when when we get into kind of full where'd you go running off to Antarctica kind of thing. I think it's it's an interesting thing, at least for me as a viewer, because I think the movie has some of its nicest moments that I really liked, like just mm-hmm. earnest, earnestly sweet moments, things like that. But it also... They were coming together, the daughter and the mom and the, yeah, and yeah. the hu- husband and wife, yeah. And even the even the 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 button that it puts on her relationship with, um, with Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. scene where they're sitting down and Kristen Wiig has kind of... Uh, essentially tried to help her out as she's sort of spiraling and trying to yeah. make it through all this. I think that's all really nice. Um, but it is also where the movie does decide to go like full broad, like she's running off to Antarctica and it's this, <laughs> this mad that's sort just, of dash. Yeah. It's just sort of taking care of the plot, the plot yes. that's in the yeah. book. They just have to sort of serve that to us. Right. Um, Dan, do you think Linklater was the right person to, for this material? Yeah. Well, look, I, I, um, really, like I said, I really enjoy the movie, so I, I, I have to say yes because I, I want it to exist, and I'm happy to. You know what I mean? I don't, I can't really conceive of a another direct. I mean, it's an interesting, Connor, the George Cukor kind of, sl- you know, slapstick. That's an interesting, you know, if you had a time machine uh, mm-hmm. type of a thing. I get that. I do think what you get with Linklater though is. A movie that ha- I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I think you get a movie that maybe is not as funny as the as the book, as you say, Murtada. But you get that lovely scene at the end, which I know we're alluding to, where um, uh, Bernadette is making a call from the South Pole, essentially, to mm-hmm. her daughter and and her husband, basically explaining herself and like coming to the realization she needs to come to that you know. She allowed herself to become a passive person. She allowed herself to stop creating. She's realized that she's like forcing circumstances to make her become this outsider so as to like, you know, legitimize this legendary status that was put on her almost against her will in her becoming hermetic after the failure of her, of her like first, you know, dream project and how this opportunity that comes from the Antarctica trip will kind of, you know, spark her into uh, a new life. And, and while she's delivering this voicemail, um, Billy Crudup and, and their daughter are actually in the room, like hiding behind the door, listening and crying. And that's, I mean, that is a lovely scene. And Linklater, the word I always, Linklater makes lovely movies. That's like, he, he is totally that guy. Like, and he can't help himself, right? Like, and that's for better or worse, right? The Newton Boys, which nobody talks about, which is his first studio movie that no one really saw. McConaughey's in it, and Ethan Hawke, and everything. It's like the nice version of a bank robber movie. I mean, it's literally <laughs> if you watch it, it's like it's like oh, those Newton Boys, they were good old boys, and they robbed banks. And it's like <laughs> Linklater, he like his belief in the human spirit, and he's very open about this. If you listen to him speak, is so. It's so like that's why School of Rock is like a masterpiece, probably because it's like this the Jack Black plus Linklater thing is like this is like this concoction of happiness, right? Because it's just two people who feel like we're put on this earth to just make you be like, ah, okay, it's all right, you know. And um, and so you have a, it's a weird mix. I mean, I'll admit that for uh, forever. It's a weird mix, and I think 
if you ask me, if you ask me who could have done where'd you go Bernadette, you know, from what we're talking about of the book, I would I would certainly say um who who who's the director of Nomadland? Who directed The Rider? Oh, Chloe, Chloe Zhao. Zhao. Chloe Zhao, right? Like like you give me Chloe Zhao where maybe it's not funny, but like what what the what the what what the through line is getting at. Maybe that's like a more straightforward kind of dramatic thing, but I don't know if I want to see that as much as this. Honestly. Well, you know who I was thinking of while I was watching it and this isn't I like this director overall. What I'm going to compare it to isn't necessarily a compliment, and I think this movie is better. But I was thinking a lot about Aloha while a wa- watching this movie because I, I mean, I also think Cameron Crowe and Richard Linklater are very similar. The, what you, the way you just described Linklater is exactly the way I would describe Crowe, right? Yeah, it's I mean, we, we bought a zoo. We bought a zoo's pretty close to this movie. No, no, no. I guess that's what I'm saying is like there, yeah. there's an earnestness to this movie, and obviously to Linklater's body of work, to Cameron Crowe's body of work. That that's on display here. I think that on its face is a thing that can automatically turn people off. Um, one thing that I think is initially kind of uh, not quite palpable about this movie is just the, the just the, the the privilege on display in like all its main char- characters, right? And it ought, But one of the weird things I think that's genius in in the way Linklater kind of pulls a rabbit out of a hat in it is that it makes them all kind of automatically unlikable depending on who you are watching this movie. But when you get to scenes like the scene with Christian Wiig and, and Kate Blanchett kind of finally making amends, when you get to the end of the movie and it's just nice and warm, it is sort of the, it's sort of those characters are, are the exact kind of characters you need them to be, to be able to illustrate Linklater's point. Right. Because like the idea being that like even these bougie people, in this extremely privileged state with seemingly no deep rooted connections or humanity can like find it in them to like have these connections and have this humanity. And I, I, it sounds to me and Murtada, correct me if this is not true, I suppose, but like, it sounds to me like maybe sort of an antithetical point to something that the book was trying to illustrate. Um, it's specifically as it pertains to like the society and the culture that the book and the movie take place within shows the good in people. I think a key point in that is that, uh, as far as I know, the, uh, the assistant character is a little bit more prominent in the book insofar as I believe that is a more like full fledged affair with, uh, yeah, with the Billy Crudup character. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, I think to, to the point that you're trying, you're making here, it's that, the movie is nicer to all the characters than the book is. Like right. the book is definitely more critical of Audrey, more critical of LG, the the husband character. Um, you know, he is he does go into an affair with with his assistant Sue Lin. So there is all those things that are happening, and the and the book is also very critical of just the privileged milieu of Seattle. Like yeah. I think that's the main thing. Like Maria Semple has another book that's also set in the same Seattle milieu. And she's in both books. She's very critical of that. And I think she's somebody who she was a TV writer. She wrote for Mad About You and other um, shows. And then she moved to Seattle some, maybe sometime. And she just wrote novels about how Seattle sucks. (laughs) And I think, I, I think he holds on to a bit of that. Like there, there, that whole, scene at the party um and she makes the comment about like jeff bezos is 
you know, a brother-in-law is here or whatever, which is, I guess, I suppose, a cute little joke considering it's an Amazon movie. But it, I, well, but, the bit, yeah, yeah. The, bit of, the kids are singing the, it's like a, a song from Africa, right? What is uh, the, no, right. That whole, like that whole, and it, cause it's all wrapped up in that, in that one scene. And then almost like this, uh, this retribution or act of God kind of thing, this mudslide oh. comes in and, and crashes the party. I yeah. mean, it's really, it's really satisfying. And to, so to hold on to a little bit of that criticism and a little bit of that sat, uh, satire, um, I think it still, still works, but it's, it definitely doesn't seem as, it's, it's not it's so not pervasive. Yeah, exactly. It's not so pervasive that I would call the movie a satire or anything like that. I, I, it's funny, you know, I don't know, uh, when this, uh, podcast will come out as we're recording mank the movie mank is currently available recently on netflix and there is a similar weirdly enough there is a similar thing in the in bernadette and mank where it's the the turning the face on on liberalism at a high level of you know at the high in the one percent right like like that i find refreshing and perhaps more cutting on a rewatch than you would necessarily think upon first viewing in both cases. And both movies are were, and as we speak, Mank argued kind of critically like hemmed and hawed over, which I also find, I think when you approach this stuff, like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit, right? What all you guys are talking about, right? Like we get down to the nitty gritty of da 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 da, and like the charter schools of it all, and d d d d d. Like I like that, and then I always think it's interesting how they are sometimes received in a way that's a little like okay, like a little too close to home, maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. So I I, I I had me thinking about both. Um, which which I liked. One other thing that I really liked about the movie is that it's sort of, it tells the story of what, if someone's life work, the one thing that their whole life was wrapped around was violently taken away from them. Can they ever recover? And sort of like, what does their life become if they can't recover? Or what is the sort of chaos they live in and the sort of half-life they can easily fall into if that one thing was so taken away and sort of like this is where we find Bernadette and I think the movie sort of tells the story of what it's gonna take for her to go back to the person she was 15 years ago where the center gravity of her life was her work um and I love that you know she plays a genius and a creator and somebody you know who was used to doing things and hasn't really done anything in 15 years and how hard it can go to go back to that. Yeah. And I think the, the juxtaposition of her to her husband, right. Who's, you know, who is a Steve Jobsy type of a guy and is a creator in his own right. But of course the huge difference is, you know, the capitalism, the profit margins, the, mm -hmm. the innovation that's all bundled together. It's very clear. And he's clearly comfortable with it. Right. Whereas Bernadette, Kate Blanchett, is one of these people that the minute money got involved in what she in her dream and her like oh oh if I put this if I have to take this thing and I put it in here and I do this wouldn't that be beautiful and then when it became yes and also we can do all this stuff it like it breaks her which you know look you read about I mean you read about with you know any manner of of creator in in different mediums and that's a real thing 
And I think you're totally right. And I, I think at the time I saw this movie, the stuff I liked the least in, a year ago was her watching the YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought like, oh, this is a little too, you know, you have like Megan Mullally on a laptop, right? It's very like what, you know, Steve Zahn is showing up. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but on a rewatch, I'm like, no, you know, if you know about the book, right, which I once again, I haven't read, but we're talking about the mediums and whatnot. That's a clever way to bring that into the fold in a cinematic way. And that's how you would do that now, right? Like this, the devices in our lives becoming part of our narratives. That's a good example. Like you would go down an hour long rabbit hole of like, Oh, I'm on the internet. Oh my God, this thing's on the internet. My arch nemesis. And like, so it actually worked way better for me this time. And and I think that comes through, um, uh, I don't know, poignant, poignant, poignantly thank you you've got a couple little other flourishes that are kind of cherries on top of that narrative that link later is trying to sell in the movie because it's clearly a through line like the idea that the crucial piece of technology crota has invented is literally like merging a full connection between technology and human thought right like literally cutting out the middleman as much as possible kind of thing and then you yeah. you put that on top of the fact that um, that her virtual assistant is d- not even an entity, right? She is mm-hmm. she isn't even directly typing these emails or text messages to this virtual assistant, right? She's talking to her phone to do it for her. But the beauty of it is that it's still doing what she's asking. Like that's what I love about that whole bit. Dear Nanjula. Something unexpected has come up, and I would love it if you would work extra hours. I don't know what time it is right now in India, but please uh, let me know ASAP if you're available, because I need you to work your Hindu magic on a huge project, period. Okay, I'll stop being coy. It's a total disaster. And Connor, I'm so happy you brought up the the one where she's just talking to the virtual assistant Manjula because that is those scenes are so funny to me. They Kate is always a physical actor; she yeah. acts with her whole body. And oh. in those scenes, she's walking and talking with the headset on, and while she's sitting and you know getting up and moving, and never there is this chaotic energy to her while she is dictating these long these long emails to the virtual assistant. And it's sort of in those moments, which are early in the movie, you get who this woman is. You get this woman is somebody who has a lot of energy, a lot of creative energy, but she doesn't know what to do with it. So she throws it all into these long emails that never stop. And it is it is a way for the script, but also for Kate to sort of show us who Bernadette oh. is. Yeah, I mean, I would put this right up there with her performances. I mean, this would be, I would have to go and rank them, but... This is, I think, a top fiver for me for Kate. I mean, I think those scenes, those scenes alone, where she's just like Will Smith and I am legend. She's just like in a house, just like by herself, talking to no one, like and and literally no one. We learn, of course, yeah. later with the most accurate, the most accurate like talk to text in the history of the world, and like yes. exclamation <laughs> point, just the right period. It's like, oh, is that how that works? Um, but but um. <laughs> But one one moment, two moments, uh, but they're like of a piece, is when B gets in the car and the moment when Kristen Wiig doesn't get hit by the car, she B gets in the car and Audrey's, uh, Kristen Wiig's character is running to like get her attention. 
mm-hmm. in the pickup line at school. And um, Kate Blanchett turns to B and is like, "What are we gonna do? Like, should we should we wait?" And then and then B's like, "No, the dog's in trouble." Like, and it's such a beautiful mother daughter moment that yeah. feels so earnest. Mm-hmm. And she drives away that moment. And then I maybe it's a different actually scene, but they're in the car again and they're singing. Um, what's the song? Cindy Lauper. Time Cindy Lauper. Time, time, time after time. Yeah, that, God. My yeah. God. That was that was I think the moment that I like fell in love a little bit. Like I was like, oh, this yeah, like this is a Richard Linklater movie. Like this is uh, that. And I, to your point, Murtada, about her and she does this a lot, not just in this movie, but yeah, like she acts with her whole body, right? And mm-hmm. And I kept, you know, that it goes to that time after time scene and I'm waiting for the high pitched. I will yeah. be waiting. And the yeah. fact that like it Blanchett's the one that delivers it and she just kind of like leans into it. It's like a yeah. really nice, um, there's that. And then there's the, also that little scene where she goes and the architecture student catches her at like the mm. library and <laughs> she's trying to like walk away Mm-hmm. As this after this architecture student has asked to take a photo with her, and as this yeah. woman's still talking to her, she walks away and then sort of like maybe realizes what she did was rude, and so like as a human she should like say goodbye. But Blanchett just gives this wonderful half <laughs> turn, like ah, like whatever, just sort of waves her hand a little bit, and it's yeah, it's like those, it's those things I think that that make a performance like this worth watching. Right. Yeah. Cause it's not, I, you know, I don't think there's anything specific about it that needs to be Kate Blanchett other than maybe if you're t- to your point earlier, Murtada, if you're looking at it through the lens of the kinds of characters, she plays mm-hmm. these kinds of characters a lot. So other than that, maybe that's why you gravitate towards Blanchett, but I could certainly yeah. see a number of other perfectly capable actors probably playing this role fine. But I do think, um, it, what makes it special and what I think to Dan's point, what makes it like a top fiver for anybody is, is all that little stuff that gets, that gets poured into it, which I think yeah. may, maybe a lesser actor wouldn't, wouldn't so sort of innately put into it. Yeah. The flourishes that she gives the character. Yeah. Yeah. And in that time after time scene, that is a highlight of the movie for me too. And I love it. And there is a line there that I had to rewind and write down because I just was moved so moved so much by it. So this is my um, positive up to Linklater because I think that's his line as a writer. Um, but also Kate delivers it really well where, you know, she, she's listening and talking with her daughter and and she says, I retain the right to be moved by those little things no one notices. And it is a beautiful line and, and she delivers it really well. And it's like a, I, what I love about that scene, I think, is you're, you sort of learn so little about her as the movie goes on until there are kind of a, a handful of sort of information dumps and you're like, oh, like this is why this person is the way that they are. And um, and I feel like that scene is one of the first like truly humanizing scenes because mm-hmm. I think I think for the first portion of this movie, you're almost because of the way it's structured, it is a little hard to get a beat on her kind of where you're like, oh, are you just like a cold human or are you like going through some shit or, you know, like I feel like it could, the movie could reveal any number of things to be true. Right. Um, and, and so in terms of where you settle on Bernadette as a character, 
you know, whether that's positively or negatively, uh, I think remains to be seen for, for a certain portion of the movie. And then that scene happens and it is this really wonderful humanizing moment. Um, mm-hmm. and you, you, you sort of realize that it's that, you know, she's not just necessarily being rude to people. She's had, you know, she sort of is just having none of the bullshit. Right. Particularly yeah. mm-hmm. as it pertains to some of the other mothers at school and things like that and the Seattle culture in general. And it's yeah, I don't know that 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 scene. I what warmed me from just deep down inside. Yeah, it's 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 a highlight of the film. Absolutely. Heavy recommend for me. Uh, seek it out. We should say remind me the young actress's name who Emma plays the really good child performance. Yeah. I think. yeah, she's great. Which and this is, is not her first, every day this is her first film too. So I that that is no small task. I think yeah. for mm-hmm. you know even an actor who's been doing it for years. I think to be able to kind of sit next to Kate Blanchett and and hold your own in, in terms of chemistry and and yeah. the, and the back and forth. Um, so definitely, yeah, aces. Yeah. She's great. That. And if there is anything that I want to come out of from this movie, like I think Kate and uh, Kristen Wiig should do another movie together where yeah, like totally. they really fight it out to the end. Like I think <laughs> they have complimentary comic timing that they yeah, can do them, something. Where's their notes? Their more comedic notes on a scandal. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good segue, Dan, to talk about Kate's career. So I know you said maybe Bernadette is in your top five. I'm not sure. going to ask you to do a top five on the spot. But okay. right off the top of your head, um, can each of you guys um, do like a top three Kate? Sure. Um, like start her, with you, Dan. her performances? performances yes. performances yeah this would be in my top five but probably not in my top three um and then probably her voice work in eyes wide shut just kidding um <laughs> no i mean so i would say if i'm talking about the one and only Kate blanchett the three movies three performances i'm gonna have to go i hate to be unoriginal but you have to go blue jasmine you have to go blue jasmine i mean she's incredible in that movie you can't you can't deny it um and then i would probably go i wouldn't weirdly would not put the aviator in there though i do love it it's right up there but uh, this is going to be controversial but i love this movie so i'm going to put it in heaven I just oh. love, love, love that movie. I would have to rewatch it for her performance to really like, but because it's a lesser seen movie, Heaven would be up there for me. I absolutely love that movie. I love she's, her in it. She's great in it. And I would have to say, actually, it's not a controversial choice at all. Doing this podcast, it comes up, you know, whenever really? I, it comes up a lot. And the Heaven, wow. the episode we did on Heaven was one of the most popular ones. So I think. I- Fans of Kate really love that performance did, in that movie. I did, I did listen to that episode, and I was happy to hear the the. Uh, that was a nice episode to listen to because that that one's been with me a long time. I love that. And then my third, and this might be also a little little controversial. Um, I know the movie's a little uh, divisive. I think she's amazing in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So I I would those three uh, would be right up there for me for sure. Yeah. yeah. Connor, what about you? What what's your top three? Uh, I mean, number one is for sure Carol. I love Carol. Yeah. I love her in Carol. Um, I would say the other two, it's tough. It's probably some combination. Uh, I love her in Bandits. I Like, it's such a wonderful. It is a, it is a really <laughs> funny performance. It's very funny. It's such yeah. an amazing comedic performance. 
So I think I'd probably have to give that the three spot. And then two, I would probably say would be, I would probably say I'm not there is one that kind of sticks yeah. with me right. uh, just because it's so interesting and it's so. So while we're here, let uh-huh. me just say my controversial <laughs> thing about I'm you have not an there. opinion about it. I'm not there. I'm not there. Here's my thing. I love I'm not there. Okay. Love that movie. I have always been underwhelmed by her performance in that really? movie. Oh. Which I know is a weird because I do love is, the movie. You know, I think it's easy to kind of put it in that camp of like maybe like a My Week with Marilyn or like a like a you know, like a, a performance that's you know what you it know, is? No, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like it, bordering on on just pure imitation and kind right. of doing that thing. The doc, she's it's literally she's just doing it, which I get it. It's impressive because exactly. I get it. But like, I think as, she's doing a little bit more than just imitating yeah. the doc. <laughs> I, I'm I I totally will admit my being a short sighted a hundred percent. I just my memory of it, like I remember people ragging on Richard Gere in that movie. Right, yeah. and people loving Kate Blanchett, and me being like, I really like Richard Gere, though. It's like, which I know is like a very heaven was not a controversial opinion. This one, is. <laughs> yes, yes, because <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> yes. she is so luminescent um, in in I'm Not There, and she, yeah. yes, she's doing the mimicry. But again, we talked about this full body performance, the way that she moves. Watch her not forget the scenes where she's just talking as Bob Dylan. But when you see her silhouette in that movie, it is Bob Dylan. Like she yeah. made her body into Bob yeah. Dylan. Yeah, I'm just that I think is into a rewatch. Really. <laughs> that I think is the kind of the core of it for me too, Murtada. Is that like I, I think also yeah, if it was a dude giving that performance and you got the same thing out of it, I might mm-hmm. agree with you more, Dan. Like I like, and even if it's even if it's a thing that seems more like a like a casting stunt or however you want to classify it. It's still, I to me, just doesn't really discount the fact that it's so impressive. Like for her to yeah, just sure. be sure. able to kind of cultivate that that performance out of it. Um, uh, so yeah, that I think would be. I will, I will, I will, Murtada, yeah. I'll mail you back my Kate Blanchett card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Um, it, yeah, so I guess just to reiterate, it's it'll be it, it's going to be bandits. I'm not there, and Carol for me with it with a special shout out to the Aviator and Robin Hood, which I like. Yeah. Oh, we, we talked about Robin Hood, too, so um, people listening can listen to that podcast. Um, and So, Connor, w- do you think there is a performance where she's underrated? Maybe Robin Hood or something else? You, you Robin, can't Robin Hood's underrated. I, I would say so. I mean, I, I think that movie overall is a little underrated. It's kind of, I think, easy to shrug that movie off as, like, another Ridley Scott, Sword and Sandal period piece epic um i think he as a director employs enough things to kind of make that movie come to life in a more interesting way than it has any right to be and i think blanchett uh plays a really big part in that i think her chemistry with russell crowe is actually wonderful i would shout that movie out i think maybe as as one of her more underrated performances because to your point i think most things she pops up in very very properly rated but that i think would be one that i would say seek out you know also I know. uh hey i feel like hannah as a whole is a yeah, bit underrated sure. these days mm-hmm. she's very good in that villain villainy in that yeah 
She's doing the Wicked Witch. Um, oh, she loves- I actually, I I love her in that movie. What's uh, Cinderella? Yeah, totally. Oh, right, right, she's the step. Yeah, yeah, step- she's the Wicked stepmom. Yeah, yeah. She loves to play Wicked. She does do these villain roles in in the studio movies. You you know, it's another one that I wish she was a little. Um, I wish she was a little better utilized in and a movie I like. I don't I don't know where I Dan, I think I know where you kind of stand on it. But uh I really like Night of Cups. Oh um, yeah, she's great in that. I think people I think people kind of lo- even people who love Terrence Malick, I think kind of look at it as like slightly lesser Malick, which I don't agree with, but I don't think she's featured quite enough yeah. in it. Um but but I do think the the moments she has on screen are are true truly effective and I think she is in those regards. Um, I mean, she pops up in two of his movies, I suppose. So maybe he felt the same way too. But she does feel very much like a, a Terrence Malick actor to me. Calming presence to even just look at on screen, <laughs> combined with the presence that they can can carry. And and I think he tends to rely on the physicality of his actors a lot because of the lack of dialogue in his movies. And I think she's mm-hmm. a perfect actor for that. I think Night of Cups could have used a little bit more Kate. Probably, probably. Yeah, I would. Ne- I would never be opposed to that. Oh yeah. sure. So my last question to you about Kate is: there, so is there a director or a genre or an actor that she hasn't worked with that you would like to see her work with? Or well, it's happening control. right now. She's in Nightmare Alley with Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Which I, if we're talking about Kate as acting with an A, which she can do, do well. Yeah. Uh, you. you I don't, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if either of you guys have seen the original Nightmare Alley. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen but that, it. That is, that is start to finish acting with an A in a way that I love. I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of that movie. That's kind of Tyrone Power, uh, who's a movie star. I love, though, though despite his limited abilities, I, I love him as a movie star. Um, and he had, was kind of had a sad end to some degree. Nightmare Alley is kind of the back end of his career. And it's the type of weird, like that whole movie is you're like, Oh, Tyrone, you're just trying stuff now. Finally. Whoa, buddy. Like, (laughs) and so, um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that del Toro adaptation. Um, yeah, that's going to be good. And I think she's going to be working with him, which I guess maybe they worked a little bit with Hobbit, like pre, you know, he obviously ended up not making those movies, but, Mm -hmm. You know, I would love. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And they're shooting in, or they were going to shoot in Buffalo. Uh, maybe not I anymore. Think they shot in Buffalo. Some yeah. of them Buffalo. Yeah. So you know, represent. You know what I mean? Alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Connor? Um, I was just thinking about this. I think. Um, I don't know about director specifically. I think maybe a number of directors could probably do this. And I don't even know that this is some if something you know at this point in her career she would even want to do. But I don't believe I've ever seen her like try her hand at being like an action hero, which I think, could, given her penchant for physicality um, in the right hands, could be something I think super fun to watch and fascinating to watch. Um, so you want her as James Bond? Sure. Why not? Why not? Maybe I was going to say, maybe not even something so flashy, like, you know, give her a vehicle, like, um, give her a vehicle, like a, um, what's the, well, no, like a, like a rhythm section, like something like that. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say, what's Kate Blanchett's peppermint? 
<laughs> maybe, yeah, Sorry, maybe, <laughs> again, like maybe not even like, no, I don't, I don't even know if I want her in like a Luc Besson style, like female assassin movie or anything like that, but maybe just some kind of like a, a like a bare knuckled neo-noir where she's some kind of like detective of sorts or something yeah. like that. Like where she gets to kind of really be like, like she's always been tough right even in elizabeth or or mm-hmm. things like that like she always has that she's always had this kind of com- commanding or uh or intimidating presence in certain yeah. regards she plays exceptional people a lot whether yeah. a monarch or a genius in bernadette yeah i would i would like to see her you know be commanding and almost like a like a nitty gritty jack reacher of sorts i think yeah. would be something like that yeah, McQuarrie. And could, why not? Why not Chris McQuarrie? Put her, put her as the lead in like a Chris McQuarrie action thriller. Yeah, and she can use her pension for accents. She can yes. do like a whole bunch of them all in one movie. <laughs> yes, please yeah, bring back, actually. bring back Arena Spalco, right? Like, just bring it all back. <laughs> well, guys, this has been great. Thank you so much. It was such a fun conversation. Thank you for coming on Sundays with Kate. And um, and before we go, why don't you let people uh, who are listening know where they can find you and your work? Sure. So I'm at, you can find me on Twitter at DJ Mecca. And um, I'm always writing stuff for the film stage, filmstage.com. I just, um, if you're listening somewhat recently, I have an interview with Sienna Miller coming out for her movie Wander Darkly. A um, few reviews up there um, as well. So you can check it out. Uh, all that stuff. And then Connor will tell you about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we we do this podcast, uh, the B-side for the film stage. Um, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at TFS B-side. Uh, we're also on Facebook as well at that same handle. I'm on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. Um, as of this recording, we just recorded, I think, what'll be a really cool episode that I, that I hope people enjoy. We got to uh, have a conversation with Alessandro Nivola. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And so that that was a lot of fun. We talked about a, a couple movies that he wanted to highlight from uh, from his storied career. And so that yeah, super nice guy, really great talent. And um, that'll be that'll be a cool one. I don't know when people will be listening to this, but either way, it'll be on our feeds by the time you are. So uh, yeah. so, yeah, you should go ahead and check that out. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Connor. Thank and you. Thank you. In the third season of Sundays with Kate, I will continue reviewing the filmography of Kate Blanchett. Some of the movies we will be discussing include Elizabeth's The Golden Age, Notes on a Scandal, Cinderella, and of course, as I have been promising, a deep dive into Carol, a mini-series of up to four episodes about that seminal 2015 film. This season, we will also be taking a few detours to discuss other actresses I admire, some who are in movies currently on release, and others who were in movies with Kate. Like perhaps a certain dame with whom she had a bit of trouble in bourgeois bohemia. Who wouldn't want to spend a Sunday with her? But the focus of the podcast will continue to be Kate Blanchett. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at me underscore says, or find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at SundaysWithKate. You can also comment at SundaysWithKate.com where you will find all previous episodes and show notes or wherever you get podcasts. And until next time, thank you for listening.